The Hurling Pod on OTB Sports. I love the way Fikini celebrate. I love the way Limerick celebrates a monster, right? To, to, to go where we actually want to win the next one. You know, or the treatment is just another game, another step stone. That's, that's a question I have. Subscribe to the GA Podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Gavin Cooney of the 42 is in Poland. Gavin, good morning to you. Morning, friends. How are you? Very well. So, uh, are you in Woods, or what is Woods like at this time of time of year? Uh, Woods is very nice yesterday, <laughs> and uh, very nice last night. It has to be said. Uh, it was it was nice and warm when we landed yesterday. But I did wait to a message from I don't know, like I mean I don't know who it is, but it must be some local uh, local meter meter uh, weather service. Uh, warning: storms and strong winds expected today. Risk of power outages. Seek shelter. Uh, so. Right. You know, Busy enough day today, so um, it seems that the it seems that the weather is turning here in Woods. But oh, and the weather turned in the very opposite direction oh. for Stephen Kenny at the weekend. Well, this is the thing: is is positive weather needed for this Have positive the storm? Storm clouds football? lifted? Yeah. Well, that is that is the question. Are we sure. seeing sunnier skies over the Stephen Kenny rain? I mean, there's Nathan like scooping a number of intros in uh, in preview pieces in Parliament. <laughs> Where are the positivity levels at at the moment, Gavin? Can uh, one swallow make a summer, or is this certainly a sense that you know the positivity that we saw at the end of last year and at the start of this year has been replicated finally once again in another big game? At the positive, <laughs> the positivity levels are wildly veering from one uh, from one end of the scale to the other, aren't they? Uh, I think the the atmosphere at that game was terrific before the game. You have to say there was no sign of any. Uh, kind of um, doubt about the manager or, or a lack of support team festering beforehand. And it was, you know, it was absolutely bouncing afterwards. You have to say it was a really strong attendance, just shy of 48,000. And, uh, you know, the atmosphere, the atmosphere was really, really good. And, you know, my, my kingdom for a time, when we talk about, uh, we analyse Ireland and talk about the team without uh, just making it a referendum on the manager, it seems like he's either, you know, he's either just proved that he's the man to the job forever or, that he's uh, he's forever and uh, got his back against the wall, trying to prove uh, that he's still the man for the job and is fighting for his job. But um, that's the gig, uh, though, isn't it, Gav? Like that has been the gig for every international manager. Uh, the way these international windows work now, they're very cramped, condensed. Uh, everybody's obsessed with the Premier League all season, and then suddenly you get two weeks and. We do a deep dive into uh, the entire psyche of Irish football and the manager has to deal with that. And that's Martin O'Neill went through it. Mick McCarthy went through it. Giovanni Trapattoni went through it. Ian Barraclough's going through it now in Northern Ireland. Gart Southgate has been questioned over in England because they're not scoring any goals. Like This is the gig of the international match. We, do- we don't have a 40-game season to judge them on. So you've got to win games and you've got to win them quickly. And if you go through a couple of matches without a victory, suddenly everybody's asking questions about every part of the setup. Yeah, you are right. Of course, you're right. Um, I thought that maybe it was just like last year was such a protracted uh, battle <laughs> as regards his status, as regards his contract extension. I thought that maybe there was a some of those questions were closed by that contract extension, but they're obviously they're open. They're forever live questions. They'll never be fully answered because they were open two games uh, after back to back defeats in this Nations League campaign. And it's absolutely right to criticise him and the team. Like they were. They were limp performances, and I know there's been lots of uh, there's been lots of stats used and lots of excuses, etc., to, to talk about how cl- close Ireland were in the games. And yes, they were undone by uh, one like stunning long range goal, another kind of freakish goal, which Ireland probably could have defended better. But the problem is that they were, you know, they were leaving themselves subject to those narrow margins by not creating enough chances and not scoring enough goals. 
Um, that changed on Saturday. I think, you know, the most obvious thing to change is that Ireland scored first. You know, this is a team that once they get, they, I mean, they start snappily. They always start games with energy, particularly at home. The problem is if they don't get that goal in the first 15 or 20 minutes, then the energy saps away and the opponent grows in confidence and Ireland don't look like they can score. But the early goal arrived yesterday. And then from there, they, they closed the, They saw the game out really well, obviously uh, inspired by just moments of pure individual quality by Michael Obafemi. That's the really interesting thing as well, is that it's a very small sample size, but Ireland and their 1-0 lead seems to rest pretty easily on their shoulders, where historically, if we're using all the trends that have come up time and time again, it is that when Ireland go 1-0 up, things tend to turn sour or nervous at very best very quickly. So is there a sort of freedom to, to what you're seeing at the moment that kind of showed that, that level of performance after going 1-0 up? I think so. I think also it's just, uh, it's just a matter of how the game goes. You just get more space. Ireland, you know, <laughs> we saw in Armenia, Ireland are still struggling to break down teams who sit deep and deny them space. But obviously when Ireland score first, the opponent has to come out. That leaves you a bit of space. And Ireland has serious pace in the team now that they didn't have uh, when, you know, in those games where, you know, we go, uh, Ireland will go ahead three after three minutes against Georgia or Denmark, whoever it was, and then they'd troop off the pitch lamenting the fact that, if anything, we scored a little bit too early. Those Ireland teams didn't have the level of pace that this Ireland team has. So I think it's as much a matter of... Um, it's as much a matter of space and, and how the game goes as it is some kind of intangible like like confidence and so forth. Possibly does it have something to do as well with the supposed quality of the opposition that Scotland came to Dublin thinking that they were favourites and they were favourites and they thought that they would win the game and that when you go 1-0 down to, uh, in inverted commas, an underdog, uh, you got to push up that little bit harder and you leave space in behind. Is, is that sort of one of the explaining features as to why some of Ireland under Stephen Kenny's performances, the best performances have come against teams of a higher quality? I, I do think it's down to that level of space. I do think it's also... Do you think maybe there's an element of, uh, if not, it's probably wrong to say that our, the teams underrate Ireland or, or just or just write them off. But I think there was an element of surprise last year. It's certainly in terms of um, when Ireland found that new way of playing with the three at the back. I think they did surprise teams like Portugal, maybe Serbia to a lesser extent, maybe Luxembourg away. Um, that I mean, and Ireland didn't have that element of surprise in the first, I thought anyway in the first couple of games in the Nations League. Everything was very similar to how it was last year and, and teams there's an element of, um, of teams figuring Ireland out but yes but sorry on Saturday there was a quite significant tactical change in that okay there was five personnel changes and all of those five players made a big impact you know they broke big energy to the team but they definitely staked a staked a claim to remain in the team but the tactical shift I think was probably was telling I think that was maybe the single biggest factor in it uh, in that the midfield two, which is usually Josh Cullen and, and Jeff Hendricks sit, sitting alongside each other, became a midfield three. It was still three at the back, uh, but there was two strikers up front and a midfield three of Cullen sitting and then Malumbi and Jason Knight ahead of them. It was just, you know, it was it was like a typical like four three three midfield, like that that triangle. Uh, but they they dropped off. They were compact. They were difficult to play uh, through without the ball. And they just brought so much energy with the ball. And, you know, by playing in that way, there's just more angles for passing. Obviously, the first goal came from a you know a classic Irish goal in that it was it was eventually nudged over the line from a yard out on the set piece, but there was there was good Irish build up play in before it. And I remember in Armenia, Chidozi Agbene had lamented Ireland's ball speed that they weren't moving the ball fast enough. Well, they did in this game, and it was helped by just the positions the players started in 
during, uh, from the off, I thought. It was really good movement where Malumbi dropped off in midfield, popped a first-time pass out to Jason Knight on the left, who gave the ball to McLean, whose cross was excellent on his right foot. And just before Abafemi could head it in, Scott McKenna just nodded it behind for the corner from which Ireland scored. So, um, yeah, I think that that midfield change was 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 very, very significant. I wonder how much Stephen Kenny has learned over the past week then in terms of team selection. And you mentioned the predictability almost have of what Ireland were doing and how quickly that's turned from, you know, six, nine months ago, teams weren't quite expecting Ireland to have three at the back to very quickly the standard of coaching is such now across Europe that teams knew exactly what they were going to get over the past week with Armenia and Ukraine that Ireland are in a strong position in that there's not a huge difference in terms of quality from you know, the top players in the squad to the players, you know, 15th to 20th in the squad. So you can actually interchange and that maybe he needs to do a bit more of that to make sure there's the freshness there and you're always trying a little bit something different because I think trying to pick a best Irish 11 now, like instantly I would go, like it's the 11 that started the last day and you probably put Matt Doherty in it on the right side in, instead of Alan Brown, which is incredibly harsh on Alan Brown because he played well. But that like maybe Ireland don't even need to play three at the back all the time anymore, that Stephen Kenny can mix and match a little bit and probably needs to do a bit more than that. I did think that, I have to say, um, certainly after the Armenia, in the, yeah, certainly after the Armenia game, you're thinking, do you really need three at the back here? Because in Armenia, Ireland's top passing combination was Nathan Collins to Shane Duffy. And you're thinking, well, that's just keeping the ball for keeping the ball's sake. Like, that's not going to worry the, the opposition whatsoever. Um, and Kenny has Kenny has always talked about this need to be flexible, the need to be adaptable, um, and I you know you didn't wonder would he change the system for this game and um, against Scotland and he always said he always indicated that he wouldn't but that there would be tactical uh, shifts and tweaks within it and I think going to I mean the change here not to bore your listeners too much but the change is a three four three became a three five two against uh, against Scotland effectively where a front three became you know you. you you take out a striker, Callum Robinson, and put in a midfielder, Jason Knight. And Knight is so much energy. You know, there are times where, you know, an opposition kick out, he would play almost as uh, to the left of a front three because Ireland pressed, Ireland pressed really well from those opposition kick outs and stopped the ball getting to, to Andy Robertson d- down Scotland's left. Uh, but I d- the, the question as to whether Ireland really still needed three at the back in, in those games, you're thinking particularly Armenia will go on. You know, talk to people, they'll say that. You know, you, you're not necessarily playing through the back. Just uh, that doesn't mean it's necessary defensive. That gives you a structure from which to attack. Um, maybe that's true. I don't think Shane Duffy's passing the ball well enough at the moment. I have mm. to say to, uh, to to offer that offer that kind of attacking bedrock uh, from a from a back three. Um, and maybe it's not overly relevant to tomorrow night because you would expect Ukraine will dominate possession tomorrow and Ireland, I think, almost certainly will go with three at the back again, despite uh, the injury problems that are there. But for say home against Armenia come September like Ireland don't have that player like there is nobody out there that we're crying out for that can play in that number 10 that can pick apart a deep lying defence so he's going to have to try something different so that Ireland can create opportunities against those kind of teams oh yeah I, I think so and that for all the jubilation uh, from the Scotland game I, that that is still the point I think that the team has to prove I think you come away from these Nations League uh, games what does the team have to prove one of them is how, if you, you start you start well, especially in home games, you don't score. Can you can you keep that going? Can you uh, you know find a breakthrough in the second half and not have the game just kind of creep away from you as it's been happening? And the second is just breaking breaking down those teams. You know, I, I was quoting the stats on your show a few days ago that Ireland under Kenny since they went through the back, 
the three games in which Ireland have had their highest share of possession and their highest number of passes has been Luxembourg at home, Azerbaijan at home, and Armenia away. And they're the problem games, you know? I mean, had Ireland just won in Armenia, there's no talk of crisis at all. I mean, they're going to lose both of Ukraine and you shrug your shoulders at the end of it thinking, okay, well, that's fair enough. Ukraine are a much better team than Ireland. And that's where that's where the team continues to let themselves down. And there's often sometimes a little bit too much uh, kind of boosterism uh, after games. I have to say, I thought Kenny definitely tempered himself uh, after the Scotland game. He was invited to do a couple of victory laps. You know, you, have you answered your critics here, et cetera, et cetera, and said that, you know, personal vindication, that's that's not what I'm in it for, um, rightly enough. Uh, but... It's because the team still has a good bit to prove. Well, that was quite striking, wasn't it? Because he was also asked at one stage about the potential of this group. And you know, we saw it on Saturday. Just how good can these guys become? And, you know, Kenny six months ago is probably going all out and saying, listen, we're not thinking about qualifying for your 2024. We're thinking about how far we can go in this competition. Whereas actually he said, you know, I think he even acknowledged himself, you know, we've learned from uh, making grand statements, uh, but they can be very good. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like he's not one to manage expectations, really, is he? I mean, and that's the, it goes back to last year when he said the target was to win the Nations League group. This was in October. This was before the draw was ever made. And he stuck to it, in fairness. <laughs> I think you've, uh, you know, you said that publicly. He, he brought that well, up. win tomorrow night. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you, uh, complete, he brought that up completely unprompted. Um, and he hasn't run back from it since, and he can't really. So he hasn't been one to manage expectations. But in fairness, and I don't mean this uh, disrespectfully, um, not refusing to manage expectations is one of the reasons he got the job in the first place. He was willing to talk about the players available and the team and the potential of it all in a way that was very, very different to the incumbent manager, who was actually Martin O'Neill at the time. Um, and in a very different way to any other of the candidates who were out there. Um, so, I mean, not managing expectations is kind of <laughs> is kind of one of the reasons he got the job. But uh, yeah, I, you're obviously getting a bit carried away. Obviously, if you think beat frame now, you're looking at the, uh, the mathematics. Uh, you mentioned the first goal there, and the, um, you know, typical Irish goal. C- could we have a moment's appreciation, please, this morning for James McLean, who oh. gets a rougher time than. Most Irish sports people, he won his 93rd cap on Saturday evening at 33. An awful lot of people felt, oh, well, he won't be a Stephen Kenny type of figure. He'll be one of the first against the wall when Stephen Kenny comes in. We won't see James McLean again. Only Damien Duff, Steve Staunton, Kevin Kilban, John O'Shea, Shea Given and Robbie Keane have played more games for Ireland than James McLean. And he was brilliant on Saturday. And set pieces are something we almost turn our noses up at at this stage in Ireland but with Howerhan not involved and Robbie Brady not in the squad anymore Ireland have struggled hugely from set pieces over the past year haven't looked anywhere near the threat that we have and there's no shame in it like look at what Liverpool do with set pieces bringing specialist coaches in for all of those areas because you know the fine margins and McLean's deliveries uh, I think from open play and the energy he brought down the left hand side and the experience and all that was top quality but also uh, what he contributed from set pieces ended up being a game changer because it's what gave Ireland that first goal which I think as you mentioned as well that corner kick comes from the McLean cross off his right foot just before that in towards Obafemi so uh, he, he gets a huge amount of totally unnecessary stick I think at times James McLean uh, about his quality as much as anything else but there's still something there yeah I mean his delivery can let him down and he, you start at the start of the game in a, against Scotland you think oh maybe it's going to be another of those games because Ireland started really well they pressed they won the ball back they drove to the end line 
and McLean uh, McLean's shanked his cross over the crossbar. It was really quite dispiriting. But from there, he was outstanding. His his delivery was pretty much on the money throughout, off both feet, the right, the right footed cross uh, that led to the corner, which he delivered for the goal. He's excellent on set pieces. There was another, I mean, there's another great cross for Scott Hogan um, uh, for the goal that looks like it probably are we sure crossed it, the line. Are we sure that didn't go in? I'm not sure that it didn't have to say. There's no, weirdly, there's no goal line technology. There is VAR. Uh, but we didn't, I don't know what camera angle to use because they didn't, you know, I thought they obviously didn't show it on the ground. I thought we might see it on the press box. But no, we were just told VAR check um, ongoing that didn't cross the line. But I'm, I'm struggling to think of a better McLean performance for Ireland, I have to say. And, it, it, and it, you know, you'd always bring that energy. I remember Vic McCarthy talking about, like, why do you pick James McLean? It's for something completely unpredictable, like, like that level of energy. And it was, like, that unpredictability wasn't always... I always felt it wasn't always a good thing because you didn't know what he was going to do next. But that was, you know, that could sometimes be to your detriment. But that level of unpredictability was good uh, against Scotland for an Ireland team that had become predictable. Um, and they, uh, he just brought so much energy, so much pace, so much more offered so much more than Enda Stevens did in the first uh, in the first couple of games. His delivery was excellent. Um, he, I think he might be captain tomorrow night in Shane Duffy and John Egan's absence. Um, and I always thought that I always thought that Stevens was probably first choice ahead of McLean when everyone was fit. Uh, I wouldn't be so sure now. Mm. Good to see James McLean get universal appreciation this morning. Now let's have a look at the YouTube comments. MOC says, he's a headless chicken running around. Dan says, oh God, no, McLean, just because we have no options doesn't make him any good. Uh, another comment in here from Brown Dog 1986 He says, the win against Scotland was bigger than you think. I now live in Scotland and travelled over with my half-Scottish eight-year-old son who is neutral going into the game, but is now all about Ireland. And I think we have to read out some of uh, Tom English's piece on uh, the BBC Sport website. He said, watching Scotland getting eaten whole by a hungry Ireland team at the Aviva on Saturday summoned up an image from one of those David Attenborough programmes where the cocksure wild beast wanders into the wrong part of the Serengeti only to be pounced on by a ravenous lion. So, Gavin, of the 11 ravenous lions who started on uh, Saturday, everybody's fit. Let's pretend everybody's fit. How many are you changing for uh, a one-off European Championships qualifier, for example? Is How close to Stephen Kenny's best team is Saturday's 11. Matt Doherty definitely comes into it. Um, for McLean? For, no, no, on the right hand side. Right, okay. uh, for, it is cruel to drop, Alan Brown was so good, but you could bring him in 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 field for maybe Jason Malumby if you're going to shift things up a bit. I think you might get, I think you might get Coleman in the team. Um, it maybe is a bit harsh to be talking about dropping Duffy, but his pa- it's just his passing, especially after the back has been poor throughout these well, tomorrow um, night, tomorrow night could see be a, a big change for Irish football's future because the expectation I assume is that Collins will play in the centre of defence tomorrow night, and mm. the way he has played over these three games, it's hard to see Nathan Collins giving up that spot for the next few years. Oh yeah, Our, like I mean, it's quite exciting. Like Ireland's emerging depth at centre back is, is quite exciting. One of the reasons to play a back three is to get all these guys into the team, you know. And you forget Andrew Amabamadeli, who's injured. Darrell Shea will come into the team. It's, it's you know it's only a year since we're talking about Darrell Shea is the next big thing. But Collins has been outstanding throughout these. He does you know it is future Ireland captain material. I have to say the way he carries himself off the pitch and on it. Uh, he's been you know he was the beacon. He's <laughs> the one beacon of shining light through the two uh, the misery of the two defeats. And was great, just great again at the weekend. You know I mean Scotland you know tried to save a bit of face after going three 0 down. He he cleared everything. He headed everything away, and he's just. He's deceptively quick, isn't he? I mean, he's really, mm. he's got 
a lot of paces, Nathan Collins. So, uh, no, I mean, it's interesting if you can talk about, to go back to Owen's question, what is your, you know, what is your best 11 you're starting in a, in a world, in a world cup, uh, a world cup qualifier, et cetera, Euros qualifier. Maybe, maybe you get Coleman into the team at right center back because of his leadership, because of his experience, because of his quality on the ball. I think it's been proven now that he can't play at right wing back. He's played it twice. Um, or played at wing back twice away to Portugal, got injured, uh, away to Armenia, got injured as well. So maybe you bring him in and you've got Collins, Collins and Egan, Egan alongside him. Um, other than that, like, I don't know. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to to make a case to drop anyone who anyone else who played. Um, we haven't really talked about Obafemi yet. I mean, he's the he's the difference. You know, I mean, in fairness, we talk a lot about the manager's tactics, etc. But that level of individual quality is so telling because you know, if Obafemi, I mean, Obafemi, uh, he played that pass. I'm not sure many other people in the stadium saw that pass that he played for Parrot, and then outrageous third goal. And without those two virtuoso um, contributions by Abafemi, it's Ireland have gone one nil up from a set piece that was prodded in from a yard out, and maybe there's an element of clinging on from there. God, you hope he can stay fit. Yeah, because that's that's, th- that's been the issue for him, and you know he's nearly as wide as he is tall. Like he is built like an absolute tank, and I was I was shocked when he said he'd never scored from outside the box before. When you look at the sheer uh, venom he could hit that with, and the pace and the ferocity of it, uh, you would think that's a, something he's going to be trying a lot more in the future. But obviously, uh, you know he's a constant hamstring problems. He's a big doubt for tomorrow night. I know Stephen Kenny seemed to rule him out, but Obafemi afterwards was saying I'm, I'm going to be knocking on the physio's door and whatever I need to do but again do you risk him uh, and the potential to aggravate it and sort of ruin his summer and ruin his pre-season and all of that because I think as well personality wise he's someone the Irish supporters can really buy into as well he just needs to get a run of games yeah personality wise I don't know maybe, maybe it was the Sky interview when he was asked I can't remember exactly how the question went but it went along the lines of well Michael things were terrible before this but this is a good result what's different and he just went me. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, you know he has been he has been completely bedeviled by injuries. I mean, this season at Swansea was the first time. <clears throat> excuse me. I think he put three ninety minutes back to back in his career, which is crazy, you know. And we he talked about he talked about you know I've been four years waiting for this start to the Aviva having made his debut under Martin O'Neill, but there's very very few times in that period where you're you're screaming at the manager saying why haven't you picked Michael Obafemi because he's usually injured. Like he's just added, he's just such a difficult history of muscle injuries and hamstring injuries and those fast twitch muscles that, that he relies on as a player. I know he'll say there's a lot more to his game than just his pace. We saw that there is a lot more to his game than just his pace, but it's still a huge part of his game. Um, so there, he has traveled for this game against Ukraine. Um, he's desperate to play. We'll see if he does. Uh, Hopefully he's fit to play. I think the, the press conference isn't until later on, so we'll learn a bit more, uh, a little bit more then. The mood, mood music would seem to suggest that he probably is more likely not to play than play. But Nathan, you're completely correct. You can't, you can't risk him, you know, because you know, you, you, uh, you know, setting it like a set, a hamstring setback for him is a lot more significant than it would be for any other player of the squad. We, we might revisit this question in a bit more depth later in the week, but that question about the best are in the eleven, Nathan, do you go along with Gavin's assessment on it? Yeah, I think it's going to change all the time because, yeah. again, I don't think there's a huge difference and like we're all operating in hindsight. Funny, David Connolly was on this day last week saying he... Now, he was looking at it at a slightly different angle and he felt that Kenny should still be experimenting during the Nations League, which I don't think was really an option, but he felt that against Armenia he should have gone with Will Keane and Mike Lobafemi up front and tried something different. 
But I don't think anybody was calling for Obafemi to start ahead of Armenia because who are you going to drop? Were you going to drop Chidozi Ogbene? Were you going to drop Callum Robinson considering the form they had shown previously? I don't think so. So suddenly, you know, is Robinson out of the picture? Like, does Ogbene get back in? Because, you know, Parrot and uh, Obafemi had such a such a good um, partnership up there so there's there's options and I think with young players the other thing and every coach in any sport of the world will tell you this young players are inconsistent and let's see them do it back to back let's see a lot of these players follow up on it with no Shane Duffy no John Egan potentially no Michael Obafemi let's see some of these younger players actually put sustained performances together a Jason Malumbi who you know is so strong in breaking up play hasn't had huge runs of games get a bit of a run of games with West Brom at the end of the season but actually go and do it in two consecutive Irish performances likewise Jason Knight show actually that this is our midfield three for the next two years that Stephen Kenny has no choice and we haven't really seen that from this group we get very excited after one game and then it falls a little bit flat so I think that's the risk when you have so many young players on the pitch but like there's options there I don't think again like you could look at a back three and I think we all feel we might get to a back three in the next couple of years of Nathan Collins Darrell Shea and Andrew Omabamadele but then Jimmy Dunn has just come into the squad and Jimmy Dunn's been brilliant since he went to QPR so again, uh, you know, we had him on the show last year again talk about an uh, uh, interesting personality like a guy you really want to do well so I think Stephen Kenny probably needs to look at players on the training ground freshness form and maybe start having that a bigger impact than actually players who you know have just done well in the match and don't play again for three four months so I, I maybe not having a settled side is the best thing for Ireland over the next couple of years mm, for sure yeah go ahead start very briefly on you know when you are picking the team I think it has to be dictated by match fitness and match minutes I mean one of the, the biggest thing that Ireland brought to that game against Scotland was just energy and conviction and that was just so absent from from those previous games so I think you have to tailor your, te- your team selection according to who's playing regularly at club level so they can bring that high energy because Ireland Ireland need to play with that high energy now they can't they're not I don't think they're good enough as we've seen in Armenia they're not good enough for some kind of sterile domination at half pace to wear you down and will eventually win 1-0 they're not good enough for that they need to throw everything into games so I think the you know, match fitness is a, is a very is a major factor I think in team selection Gavin, go uh, get some shelter from those storm clouds that are on the way for uh, both Woods and for Stephen Kenny's managerial future, I assume. Thanks a million. After, after the week we've had, I'm glad that they're literal rather than metaphorical. So. <laughs> Cheers, Gavin. Thank you. OTB AM. With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.